everyone. Welcome back to a special edition of the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast. My name is Mung, and of course, you can find me on Twitter at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. Welcome back, Addicts, to an exciting pre-Super Bowl edition of the podcast, the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast. It's uh, it's your buddy, Los, at FFA underscore Los Mung. Wow, man. It's It's here. We're, we are less than a week away from the Super Bowl. <sighs> Great time to be a football fan. Yeah, and we're, we're deviating from our standard approach. You guys are used to us talking about all the fantasy matchups for the week. But uh, really, you know, I know a lot of people think that week 16 or 17 now, um, the fantasy championship week is the most exciting week of the year. And I, I think there's nothing wrong with that opinion. But personally, I still think the Super Bowl is the culmination of the NFL season. And as a football fan, first and foremost, it's just really exciting to watch two of the best teams. And I do think that this year, especially, we are seeing probably the top two teams, or at least two of the top four, um, actually duking it out in the Super Bowl. And it's going to be a good one. Yeah, I, I think there's no question that the Eagles are the class of the NFC. That's not really saying a ton. They both got hot at the right time, and they're the best team. They have the best quarterback in the NFC that's healthy currently right now. And on the AFC side, of course, you can have plenty of debate about your top four teams over on that side. But, you know, I'm picking the Chiefs every day of the week. Yeah, I'm glad you threw in a uh... – uh, note that of that's healthy right now, right? Or else maybe Trey Lance would be up there. Right. Could be. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, 2022 seasons really flown by and, you know, we've been blessed with this rock star Super Bowl between two deserving number one seeds. Coincidentally, the last time that two one seeds faced off in the Super Bowl was 2018. And that was when the Eagles won their first Super Bowl wow. uh, over New England. Huh? And they were certainly not favored in that game with uh, behind uh, Nick Foles either. Yeah, and you know they've come a long way since then. But certainly, yeah. uh, Howie Roseman's done a great job of just building this team year in and year out. And let's just jump right into the preview. Uh, we'll start with the Kansas City offense versus the Philadelphia defense breakdown here, and uh, it really starts with the passing matchup, right? Because Patrick Mahomes is pretty much, you know, the superstar of the NFL right now, especially with Tom Brady having announced his possibly permanent retirement this time around uh, this past week. Right. Um, and it's no surprise that Mahomes uh, was one of the league leaders in adjusted net yards per attempt with 7.9. Uh, that was second best in the league. He was first in expected points added or EPA here. Um, of course, you know, a much discussed concern over the last couple of weeks has been that high ankle sprain that he suffered. Uh, and, you know, two weeks, two more weeks of rest and rehab since that AFC championship game is certainly going to help. But even so, I mean, I don't think Mahomes isn't going to be 100% healthy and possibly still won't be quite as mobile as we have seen him in some games this year. And it's really unfortunate. This this is sort of becoming the storyline of Pat Mahomes in Super Bowl games uh, or in postseasons. He he was hobbled uh, a couple years ago in the Super Bowl. He got dem that O line got demolished. He was uh, limping back and forth, and they lost that game uh, to Brady. Well, it's really interesting because we've seen time and again that one of the bread and butter plays for the Eagles on the other side is that they just shove Jalen Hurts in those QB sneaks, right? They, yeah. they throw him out there. But uh, ever since that one, I think it was like a dislocated kneecap. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Andy Reid's like, we're not risking our $500 million quarterback on any quarterback sneaks. Well, you know, they throw in the tight end there sometimes for those sneaks. and right. uh, But they do not risk Mahomes in those types of situations. And we'll see if they do actually, you know, put him in some of those spots if the Super Bowl ends up being on the line, right, late in this game. Um, but really Mahomes's health or potentially, uh, you know, lack of health in this game is why the battle in the trenches is going to be crucial on both sides here. The chiefs offensive line leads the league in ESPN's pass block win rate metric this year. Uh, Andrew Wiley ranks ninth among tackles, Joe Thune and Trey Smith rank first and fourth among guards and, uh, Creed Humphrey, uh, leads the league, uh, in, leads the centers of the league in pass block win rate 
And then on the other side, crazy enough, you have the Eagles who lead the league in pass rush win rate. You've right. got Josh Sweat, who ranks 10th among edge defenders, and Javon Hargrave, third among defensive tackles. So you've got superstars on both sides of this battle here. And it's going to be interesting because what happens, Los, when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object? Well, uh, if, in the recent NFL, that, uh, that defensive pass rush tends to win that battle more often than not. Yeah, and it'll be interesting too, right? Because despite having this star, but star, excuse me, star-studded pass rush, the Eagles are going to need to stay disciplined against Mahomes because For even sure. not at a hundred percent, he's one of the slipperiest quarterbacks, right? Is that a word, slipperiest, or is it yes. most slippery? Uh, I think it's. I think it's. Uh, I think you're right, slipperiest. But call him a <laughs> slippery, shifty. He's got that great quarterback awareness, that excellent inside-the-pocket footwork, and he can throw the ball out and get rid of it from any arm angle, as we all know. Um, it, it's certainly going to be difficult for that D-line to keep up with him. Yeah, and, you know, they've made major upgrades to the offensive line, clearly, since that right. Super Bowl loss to Tampa Bay, where, you know, even when – the pass rush was seemingly on him every single snap. Mahomes was just making magical plays happen right. out of thin air. And he's been excellent even this past season. You know, took a sack on just 3.9% of his dropbacks, good for third lowest in the league. And, uh, you know, his pressures per dropback was just 19%, which was 20th among quarterbacks this year. So clearly that offensive line has been doing their job for the most part. He's got he, – yeah, I, I think his I think his numbers obviously speak for themselves. From a fantasy, from a bit of a fantasy standpoint or a dynasty standpoint, this game scares the crud out of me as a Mahomes as a Mahomes rosterer because I know that Pat Mahomes is going to do whatever it takes. He's that type of competitor who will do whatever he can to win this game. And I'm his ankle scares me from a dynasty perspective. Yeah, I, you know I'm not too worried about him in dynasty mostly because one whatever happens in this game knock on wood we never want to see any injuries but even if he were to aggravate that ankle sprain at some point in this game you know he's got six months to really heal up and uh, you know it's not really something that's going to I, I don't think linger past the next few months at most um, we know that it's easier to re-sprain ankles once you have but again these guys are you know, getting top-notch medical care, right? It's not like you or yeah. I who, you know, if we sprain our ankle playing basketball in middle school and now it hurts, you know, every time we run on it right. for the last 10 years, you know, these guys have professional PTs. They they go course, through crazy treatments. They've got the cryogenic stuff going on now. Um, so from a dynasty perspective, I, I still have Mahomes, you know, as the top quarterback of course. over Josh Allen, you know, over obviously Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow and all those guys just because we've seen that even hobble, right? He's a force to be reckoned with. Totally. And certainly, you know, I, I do think this is a good matchup because basically if you can't get pressure on Mahomes, the game's over. Right. right? Okay. And, and, you know, from a clean pocket, uh, his accuracy ranked ninth in the league this year and his completion percentage, 75%, uh, was best among quarterbacks. But when under pressure, Mahomes' accuracy dropped to 24th. Mm -hmm. And his completion percentage dropped to 20th. So, I mean, this is the way that you can actually impact uh, the Kansas City offense. And it's not that different from what teams have been trying to do to Tom Brady for years and years, right? Uh, right. We know that when you can get to the quarterback with just four guys, you know, that really throws a wrench in their plans on offense. And obviously Mahomes is a lot more uh, mobile than Brady was at any point in his career, even when he was younger, of course. Um, but still, I, I mean, that is how you at least uh, limit the home somewhat, right? Yeah, and I, I think they will have a very good defensive plan. Uh, they're not going to have to burn two defenders to bracket off Tyreek Hill or anything. Granted, you're going to have to make up for, for uh, Travis Kelsey across the middle and everywhere else he lines up, but uh, they're certainly going to be able to, not that they're going to have to spy Mahomes or anything like that, but I, I think he's going to be well contained. Yeah, and you know everybody talks about Chris Jones, uh, obviously a superstar right. defensive tackle, but you know, Javon Hargrave is getting up there, right? And he profiles very similarly to Chris Jones. You really can't block him one-on-one. -on -one. And it's really going to be those two guys, obviously not going face-to-face, -face, but, you know, when, mm -hmm. when the other offense is on the field, they're going to be one of the most important 
impact players. And just looking at Philly's defense on the other side, right, as good as the Chiefs' offensive line has been, um, we talked about how how little Mahomes has been pressured throughout the season, but the Eagles have pressured quarterbacks on 26% of dropbacks. That's second best in the league, uh, despite them blitzing just 22% of the time, which is below average. Uh, their 11% sack rate, uh, you know, their sacks per pass attempt, so they lead the league, and they lead the league in allowing the fewest net yards per pass attempt to opponents, just 4.9 net yards per attempt. And uh, again, it's just it's going to be an uphill battle despite how talented Patrick Mahomes is. And look, look at look at the stats for the scoring drives. I mean, the Eagles um, only 32% of offensive scoring drives against their defense uh, have have resulted in an offensive score that's sixth best in the league. And 15% of offensive drives against the Eagles have ended in turnovers, and that's third best in the league. Um, their combined, their defense has contributed 39.9 points, uh, and that's third best in the league. I mean, this is a, as tough a test as we're going to see for Mahomes in recent memory, right? I mean, the Bills have tried to build their offense specifically to stop Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs and, and maybe Joe Burrow now going forward. And this is the kind of defense that you want to, to do that. Yeah, I do think that the Philly defense benefited a little bit from their competition. Like they, they have great numbers. There's there's no two ways about that. But the competition level is like they played Washington, they played, you know, Tennessee, they, they played, lost to Washington. <laughs> well, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, early, early in the season, they didn't, but uh, you're right. They did lose to Washington uh, in, in the mid season. Um, just the, these numbers, you're not thinking when you're seeing, you know, green Bay, Chicago, right now, new Orleans, you're not thinking top flight offensive lines. So I do think their stats are boosted a little by that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's been talked about a lot already, the strength of schedule being among the lowest in the league this year. And obviously we haven't seen them undergo, you know, quite a strenuous test like this, right? I mean, there's really no way to, um, there's really no better gauge of how good your defense actually is than going up against the Patrick Mahomes, right. the Josh Allen, those types of players. And, and that's why I, I think obviously we do need to take these stats with a grain of salt, right? Right. Um, you know, with, with stats and numbers, you can kind of bend them to say whatever you want them to say, right? I mean, we see that in fantasy all the time with points per game and different splits between quarterbacks and, and you know, having different receivers. It's going to be really interesting here. I mean, do you think that, do you think they can at least slow down? this chiefs offense though. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I think, I think the pass rush is real. I, I just don't think it's as great as the, the numbers belie or, or uh, demonstrate. So I, I do think they, uh, I think they still get after Mahomes. I think the ankle a high ankle sprain is tough. He did look not a hundred percent two weeks ago. Obviously I don't expect that to have fully healed over just the one by week. So I think they're going to have him on the run a little bit, which is going to make some arm angles difficult, some throws difficult. And while MVS exploded last week, he's still MVS. He's still liable to turn back into a pumpkin or, or, or whatever you want him to turn into at any time. Hope he doesn't, but sure think he can. Um, Tony is unproven though, quite electric when he can, uh, when he can be there and they might try to take away Kelsey and, and have to make uh, Mahomes rely on those, you know, tertiary options, Juju and everything who certainly isn't an electric player at this current point in his career. So I think for those reasons, we are going to see a little more stifled of a KC offense than we're, than what we might expect. Yeah, and you know, certainly it's your point uh for Marcus Valdez Scantling and you know Marcus Kemp who kind of stepped up uh in the game against the Bengals. It's <laughs> it's a lot different burning Eli Apple versus burning CJ Gardner Johnson and you know, sure James is. Bradbury and Darius Slay. Right. Yeah. Yeah, um and, and it's interesting too because the Chiefs offense has really already evolved over the last couple of years. Uh, Mahomes hasn't taken a lot of downfield shots this year, just 7.5 mm -hmm. average intended air yards this season, uh, which ranked 28th among qualifying quarterbacks per next-gen stats here. And even when they had Tyreek Hill last season, 
right? And we're talking 2021 here. Mahomes averaged just 7.3, which was actually lower than this year, uh, down oh. from 8.5 in 2020. That's so surprising. really, Kansas City already evolved to kind of deal with how defenses started playing them last year with those deeper safety looks. Right. I wouldn't expect a ton of shots taken by Mahomes in this Super Bowl against, again, a very stout Eagles secondary, especially with the limited weapons that they have at wide receiver right now. Granted, he's going to have to if this, the Eagles can uh, get the ball and get up early. Right, and I do think that you know they're still going to remain a somewhat pass-happy offense. That's just their mm-hmm. identity. Um, but really, they're going to need their wide receivers to step up because you know as it stands on the season, Mahomes ranked third among quarterbacks and dropped passes. So certainly, uh, the yeah. receivers weren't doing him that many favors. Well, and, MVS will do that for you. <laughs> right? Yeah, definitely uh, can remember a few plunking off off his hands. Uh, and, you know, even though Mahomes obviously only threw twelve interceptions all year, he actually ranked tenth in interceptable passes with twenty six, where the defender uh-huh. could have or should have picked off the pass, but you know, dropped it or just wasn't able to haul it in. So uh, it's going to be interesting because. These wide receivers, right? Uh, again, not even talking about their quality, but the the health as well. Because Nicole Hardman aggravated uh, his pelvis or groin injury against the Bengals. He's doubtful to play right. in the Super Bowl. And he was an element of speed that they were really missing for you know the back, at, the back half of the season there. Um, Juju left early against the Bengals with a knee injury. Kadarius Toney also left early in that game. Uh, with an ankle injury, they're both questionable. So they could be really, really shorthanded um, at receiver in this game, depending on the health of Juju and Tony. Well, Jarek McKinnon is definitely going to have to step up and play a role here. I was pretty surprised to see how how little he was involved in the game plan last week, but hey, they got the victory. Yeah, you know, the splits are interesting, too, because he was so good after the catch as a receiver out of the right. backfield. Um, you know, his 9.7 yards after the catch per reception ranked third among all running backs. And that's actually where you want to attack the Eagles, right? Because they ranked right. um, in past defense, uh, you know, DVOA, they ranked just 24th against running backs, whereas sure. they ranked sixth against tight ends. Um, they were best in the league against number one wide receivers. Now, obviously, wow. that you know, two or three of those games were "quote unquote" Kenny Galladay is the number one wide mm. receiver. So again, <laughs> the strength of schedule is you know kind of skews that um, yeah. that stat. But still, I mean, that's impressive over the span of the season. And they ranked fourth uh, against number two wide receivers. So wow. even accounting for strength of schedule, it's going to be really tough for Mahomes to consistently move the chains because we have seen this offense become more of a, I don't want to say dink and dunk because that's not necessarily what they're doing, but you right. see them string together these long drives rather than, you know, two, three years ago when Tyreek Hill would take it 80 yards for a touchdown every other drive, right? Yeah, I think we can't uh, can't underestimate Andy Reid here. I'm sure he's got a whole book of plays that he's been waiting to use in the Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, giving giving him two weeks to plan uh, his his attack and his approach in this game, they're definitely going to have something ready. Um, right. There's going to be some trick that, plays. Yeah, good, very good offensive mind. Not a great head coach. We know that well in Chicago, but all that success Mahomes had in uh, with Andy Reid before Matt Nagy was there at the helm with him. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, there's always those fun uh, prop bets in the Super Bowl, right? Is an offensive lineman going to catch a touchdown, stuff right. like that? Right. And it, it wouldn't shock me at all Not if, at if all. they had something like that drawn up because, you know, obviously they're going to be looking at Kelsey keying in on him near the goal line. Um, I don't know that you can trust Marquez Valdez Scanling on those type, those goal line fades. That's not really you know, what he does. Right. Um, so it's going to be interesting here, but. Now, even outside of the passing matchup, the rushing matchup's really interesting because even though they are a pass-heavier offense, uh, you know Kansas City's offensive line ranked third in run block win rate this season. Joe Thune ranked fifth among guards in run blocking, and Creed yes. Humphrey ranked second among all centers. So this is a line that can not only protect Mahomes but can maul some defenses and you know help. Pacheco, McKinnon, maybe even Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who has been activated off IR, punch in some of those touchdowns. 
because as good as the Eagles passing off or excuse me, passing defense was all year, they ranked just 14th in run stop win rate. Sounds like they really should have drafted Jonathan Taylor, huh? Uh, yeah, I mean, oh, man. can you imagine this offense right now? If, you know, um, wow. I feel like all that, I feel that run black win rate is completely wasted on, on the, in this offense right now. Cause I mean, last week they, they rushed for what, 40 yards, give or take. Sorry, 40 yards and what? I think, yeah, they had 42 yards on the ground rushing last week between Pacheco and scattered other people. Oh, 20, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, so it'll be interesting if they choose to, you know, feature the run game a little bit more, if that's how they want to skew the attack uh, based on how good that pass rush is, because obviously that does slow down the pass rush a little bit too. Um, right. Pacheco's, you know, getting chunks of, you know, seven, eight yards while they're coming around the edge. So we and, could and see... the way Pacheco runs is the right way to attack a, a defense that's going to be coming at your quarterback that way. If I was the Eagles, I would start out, pin my ears back, get at Mahomes, try and force them to make the running game beat me. And if you hand, you know, throw some inside handoff draws at a at a defense that's rushing super hard, throwing blitzers off the edge, you're gonna have holes. And a hard nosed rusher like Pacheco, well, he could, you know, he could bust through a hole. He could he could run in a straight line because that's what he does. He runs into his lineman and then runs in a straight line for uh, maybe he could shake some for 20, 25 yards. We haven't seen it very frequently, but I think this is the type of aggressive defense that that could work against. Yeah, I mean, Pacheco's a beast, too. I think oh, he yeah. ran a 4-3, something like that. Uh, we've seen that speed flash at times. And, you know, he's good after contact, too. We've seen him bang through some, you know, missed tackles, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. And we could see a fairly heavy dose uh, of Pacheco, 10-plus carries in this game, um, especially out of 13 personnel. Because, again, talking about those wide receiver injuries and how unreliable their wide receivers have been in general, the Chiefs have actually had a lot of success passing uh, with three tight end sets, given their injuries and deficiencies at the wide receiver position. You know, Noah Gray blocks a lot, but he could get right. a goal line touchdown. Uh, yep. You know, if the Eagles are all keying in on Kelsey in the red zone, uh, I low key like Jody Fortson. If you're doing any DFS showdown slates, oh boy, uh, he has a little bit of speed. Kind of reminds me of Jonu Smith when he was in, uh, with the Titans. Mm-hmm. I think Fortson could have a nice little game if the Chiefs find a look that they can exploit a few times out of 13 personnel yeah. to get Fortson up the seam or downfield on some sort of wheel route. And like you said, you know, having Pacheco on those maybe draw the draws or you know those inside runs or even on those screens, right? That's another good way yeah. to slow down the pass rushes to get the ball out quickly. So. It is going to be super interesting to see what Andy Reid decides to do here. Um, and actually, I, you know, I wanted to bring up an impact player to watch on each team. And for me on the Chiefs, that's Kadarius Tony if he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if he is healthy enough to play on that ankle, he provides a much-needed measure of speed and explosiveness that Kansas City has been missing without Tyreek Hill. Now, you know, we talked about how Pacheco offers some of that big playability, but Marcus Valdez-Scanling and Juju aren't threats to take a screen pass 80 yards the end zone like Tony could. You know, we saw even in his debut, you know, his early games uh, with the Giants as a rookie last year, right? We saw him do some crazy stuff after the catch. And, you know, when we saw against, I think it was the Jaguars, that crazy ring around the rosy pre-snap play from the Chiefs, that was designed for Tony, right? right? He was he was the guy on that play. So, you know, a few weeks ago, I, I sprinkled a little bit of money on Tony to win Super Bowl MVP at plus 13,000 oh, wow. uh, because I think if the Chiefs end up winning the Super Bowl, he will have to play a major role. And hopefully he does. I, I don't think it's... I, it... I'm not a big Tony guy, but I do think he's the most talented outside wide receiver on this team now that's probably more of a statement about wide receiver on this team than anything else, but we have what we have. Yeah. And I, I think Tony has tons of talent. It's just, the problem is he seems to be nicked up constantly. And that's right. you know, a concern again, going into the Super Bowl. Right. But man, I mean, we could talk about Patrick Holmes for years and years and, and we will be talking about him Hope so. for years and years. So, but we, <laughs> We should probably talk about the Eagles as well. Um, they they are certainly, uh, I mean, 
I guess they were underrated for all of, you know, five minutes because the, when the line opened, uh, right. originally it was the chiefs who were favored, but that swung very, very quickly. Um, so let's talk about the Eagles offense versus the chiefs defense a little bit here. Um, first the passing matchup, you know, the Eagles offensive line also very good. They ranked 12th in ESPN's pass block win rate metric this year. Uh, Lane Johnson, uh, led all tackles in pass blocking. Landon Dickerson, second among guards, and Jason Kelsey, eighth among centers. Obviously, the Kelsey Bowl. Uh, yeah, actually, you know what? Let's go back to the Chiefs. We didn't even talk about Travis Kelsey that much, uh, which obviously <laughs> we need to. But right. I, I mean, I, I, maybe we just kind of overlooked it because I think everyone knows at this point that Kelsey's good, right? He just finds mm-hmm. those soft spots in the zone, um, yeah. even with the Eagles. Obviously, you know, going to key in on him. He's still going to get some of those crucial third downs where he just somehow slips through double coverage. So I, I don't know, I guess, do we need to talk that much about Travis Kelsey? I don't think so. I mean, we've got him covered from a fantasy standpoint. We know he's going to have to be, if he's not a big part of this game, Kansas city loses. It's as simple as that. Yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, really he's going to need to step up along with Pacheco and McKinnon and Tony and Juju and all these guys, but all right, let's, let's go back to the Eagles. Sorry. I just realized that we didn't really touch on Kelsey at all. Uh, even though we mentioned his brother here, you know, right. Um, but as good as Philadelphia's offensive line has been, uh, Kansas city, uh, their defense has been somewhat underrated this year. Yeah. Their pass rush win rate ranks 15th. Um, but Chris Jones, you know, led all defensive tackles in pass rush. And that's still, you know, a force to be reckoned with on that side. And it is worth noting, you know, we touched on Mahomes' injury and Tony and Juju, but on the offensive line for Philadelphia, Lane Johnson retour is growing uh, during that playoff win against the giants. Um, still managed to play effectively against the Niners in the NFC championship game, allowed just two pressures and no quarterback hits or sacks. Uh, but also, you know, in the game against the Niners, Landon Dickerson, uh, I think dislocated his elbow, something like that. But from what I've seen, he's expected to still be able to play pretty effectively in the Super Bowl here. But just worth noting because those two are, you know, big pieces on that offensive line. Every every injury counts. Every inch matters. Uh, I can throw all the cliches at you, but you know, you, you want to be healthy heading into the Super Bowl. But after a twenty week season, or what is it at this point? Twenty. Let's see. They played what seventeen, eight. 18, 19 games a piece so far. Uh, it's it's hard to be in good shape for anybody at that point. Yeah. So you know, all things considered, uh, they've come away pretty lucky with uh, the lack of injuries here. And you know, we talked about Mahomes a ton. We do need to talk about Jalen Hurts because he's improved a ton as a passer this year. Obviously, some of that has to do with them, you know, having a, a really good offensive line and going out and getting AJ Brown for him as well. But all that said, Hertz uh, with that 7.3 adjusted net yards per attempt here was fifth among quarterbacks. Uh, he also ranked fifth in expected points added here. And, you know, as with Mahomes, the biggest question regarding quarterback on the Philadelphia side is also health because Hertz's passing production has dropped steeply uh, after he sprained his throwing shoulder against the Bears in week 15. Although it is worth noting that despite some lackluster box score numbers against the Niners, Hertz wasn't afraid to let it rip. He did average 9.7 uh, air yards per throw, which was his highest mark since that Chicago game. So all things considered, you know, there are some questions on both quarterbacks in this game. Yeah, and I'm sure you're going to touch on these guys, but when you have targets around the field like A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, who... <laughs> is is open because he can make himself body up and have that wingspan that gets him open no matter what or Devonte Smith who gets himself open because he he can shake guys off like there's nothing else going on and then Dallas Goddard who I think 3 4 years from now we're going to be talking about very similarly in the vein that we talk about Travis Kelsey I, I mean he's just loaded up with weapons around him yeah, and again, credit to Howie Roseman, right? Because that's right. how you want to build around your quarterback, help him succeed. And certainly, you know, again, with even with Chris Jones on the other side here, uh, they should be able to protect Hurts relatively well. They were able to do pretty well against the Niners. 
obviously that game got out of hand, but even so, you know, throughout the season, Hertz was pressured on just 18% of dropbacks this year, which ranked 27th among quarterbacks. And, you know, from a clean pocket, he ranked third in accuracy, second in completion percent. Um, but like Mahomes, you know, when under pressure, his accuracy dropped quite a bit to 31st. Um, and then his 35% completion rate under pressure was just 26th among quarterbacks. So again, both of these teams are trying to do the same thing, which is right. uh, rush for and be able to pressure the opposing quarterback. And, you know, I do think Kansas City is going to be able to do that because even though they only blitzed 24% of the time, which was 14th, uh, among teams this year, they were able to pressure the quarterback on 25% of dropbacks, which ranked fifth uh, among defenses here. So it's going to be a, a chess match, really, on both sides. Do you know if it counts? So that's an interesting statistic. And thinking about this game, is it counted as a quarterback pressure if the quarterback converts that pass attempt? into a rushing play instead. Like if they scramble and run, you know, 30 yards downfield, are they still pressured? Yeah, it, uh, it still counts as long as, okay. you know, it was a an intended pass play, essentially. Okay. Um, I, I believe that's how that stat is allocated. So yeah, I, at the end of the day, I mean, despite both of these quarterbacks being mobile, though, the point is, right, that they have enjoyed fairly clean pockets for yeah. much of the time this year. So it's going to be up to them of, of how they navigate the inevitable pressure because they're going yeah. to be getting it on both sides. That's what I was saying. I wasn't sure if like all those, you know, nice runs that Jalen Hurts has been ripping off, if that's masking the pressure numbers at all. But no, if, he, if a pressure is a pressure, it doesn't matter yeah. what happens mm-hmm. after it. Yeah, what happens, you know, whether or not it's converted into a sack or, you know, a run or a completed pass doesn't matter. After oh, Getting a little education today. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, maybe it could be Greg Olson pretty soon in the booth. For hey, Fox. I'd like that. Yeah, I think uh, he is calling this game, right? I, I believe. Um, so certainly uh, we'll, we'll get some quality, quality announcing, I think, at, at the very least. Wow. Is yeah, that true? I, I believe so, because um, I, I think Tom Brady was saying that he's not going to start announcing uh, any games until 2024, but that he's going to be watching wow, um, Greg, Greg Olson yeah. in this game. Greg Olson and Kevin Burkhart. I, I guess I just sort of took for granted that it would be L. Michaels and uh, <laughs> Cobblesworth or something. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The times I, they are changing. Well, they're not, they're not on, it's not on NBC this year, is it? Correct. It's Fox. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Huh, that's going to be interesting. Geez, Greg Olson. I remember when we drafted him in the first round, and I thought, geez, he's going to fill in for Dallas Clark, be a great tight end. And then the Bears didn't know what to do with them. And then uh, Carolina did. So that was sweet. Yeah, that was certainly a, uh, an interesting trade, kind of like how Dallas traded away Marty Cooper for like a fifth round pick. Um, yeah, but, right. But, yeah, right. Well, I uh, did I just that's... say Dallas Clark? I definitely meant Desmond. Yeah, I, I knew what you meant, but yeah, yeah, Dallas Clark is obviously the better of the Clarks. <laughs> I totally disagree. Desmond, I think Desmond Clark was criminally underrated. He should have been a pro bowler at least three times in his career, but that's that's a podcast for 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, maybe on, maybe on the next one we'll dive into little-known <laughs> tight ends. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, basically the Kansas City defense is underrated by many. Right, because they have allowed quite a few points, but at the same time, um, their their sack rate, their eight point two sack rate, was fifth best in the league. Um, they allowed just five point six net yards per attempt, which was fourth lowest in the league. Hmm. And uh, you know, uh, only thirty six percent of opponent drives ended in an offensive score, which was fourteenth best. Um, Ten point three percent of uh, opponent drives ended in an offensive turnover which was just 21st, so they, they weren't forcing a ton of turnovers. That's something uh, that could certainly, uh, you know, they're going to need that basically if the Eagles build a lead here. So depending on game script, that could come, come back to bite them. And uh, their expected points contributed by their defense was negative 49.5. So uh, that was just 14th. So not great in some of those metrics. 
Um, but again, overall, they were able to still at least pressure the quarterback, uh, which is a big component of slowing down Jalen Hurts. Sure. Turnovers are iffy and scoring is iffy, of course. Like, like you said, even for Mahomes, there were, he was, he was X amount of expected uh, interceptions that were dropped or that weren't converted in or interceptions. Mm -hmm. So those turnover numbers don't scare me off too much for the Kansas city side. What I'm hearing is they, you know, two years ago and four years ago, they had weaknesses in the offensive line. They had weaknesses on the defense and they're coming into this game with strengths on the offensive line and strengths in their defense. So they went out and they fixed these problems that they had. We have Pat Mahomes still being Pat Mahomes, despite a worse, I, I think you have to objectively say he's got worse passing options other than Travis Kelsey around him. And yet he still turns in the quarterback one fantasy season on the year, despite not having to throw the ball a billion times with a bad defense. And despite not having Tyreek Hill break plays for him, it's, it's really just otherworldly how good of a quarterback he is. Yeah, and you, you mentioned that luck certainly plays a factor um, in turnovers. And, you know, with Hertz, he ranked just 24th in interceptable passes with 18. So mm -hmm. he was fairly safe with passing the yeah. football. Um, however, he did fumble 10 times uh, due to, you know, when he's scrambling around, when he's running. Right. Um, and he was lucky this year because he lost just two of those 10 fumbles. Um, so he's going to need to be careful with the ball, especially when he's scrambling. Uh, I think we are going to see him need to run quite a bit at times. Of course. Um, and, and certainly they've held him back a little bit. I want to say throughout the playoffs because of that shoulder injury, but you know, there's, there's not much more worth holding back for uh, yeah. in the Super Bowl. This not is kind right of all or nothing. Yep. Um, as Nick Sirianni said, uh, yes, this is a must win game. <laughs> um, only, only the most nuanced questions from, uh, from the Super oh, yeah. Bowl reporters oh, yeah. here. Mm -hmm. um, Super Bowl week. But yeah, let's talk about the weapons a little bit because, you know, you mentioned that, that certainly it helped Jalen Hurts' development when you give him A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. And, you know, A.J. Brown ranked uh, fifth among wide receivers in yards after the catch per reception. Uh, Devontae Smith ranked 13th in that metric. Uh, Dallas Goddard ranked second among uh, tight ends in yards after catch per, uh, yeah. per reception. And uh, Goddard also uh, ranked third in yards per out run. So having him healthy, um, you know, coming into this game is a big piece too that I think some are overlooking because they did miss him a little bit in the middle of the season when he was out. Yeah, and they didn't ask much out of him in, uh, well, at all this playoff uh, season, but they didn't really need to ask that much out of anybody uh, against the Giants and then the fully depleted 49ers, uh, the Josh Johnson 49ers. So, I think the Eagles really benefited from trying to uh, being able to hide all their cards heading into the Super Bowl. We don't know what they can have up their sleeve. Yeah, I mean they had the Philly special, right? Trey, Trey Burton, I think, threw a touchdown in that yep. game against the Patriots. Uh, yep. We're definitely going to see uh, some interesting plays from both uh, offenses in this game. And uh, you know, we mentioned real quick how you know the place to attack. Um, the Eagles defense for the chiefs was with the running backs, right? Because they ranked uh -huh. just 24th uh, uh, against running backs in, in the receiving game. And the chiefs ranked 31st in DVOA against number one wide receivers this season. And that's a problem when you've got AJ Brown uh, on the other side here. Yeah. Uh, luckily, you know, Legarius Sneed who left that AFC championship game with the concussion has already cleared protocol. So at least they get Sneed back, which is a big piece or else they would be down to all rookies uh, at the cornerback position. Yeah. Um, and, you know, credit to the rookies, McDuffie and, and the others, they've played well this year for the Chiefs, all things considered. But I think part of that is the pass rush not giving opposing quarterbacks that much time. And right. if you're giving Jalen Hurts like three to four seconds and you're expecting your rookie quarterbacks to cover, you know, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, that right. could be an issue. Right. Um, so, again, it's going to come down to – how healed Jalen Hurts' throwing shoulder is, right? Because we saw him miss a few passes over the last few playoff games. Um, but at the same time, you know, an extra two weeks for Mahomes' high ankle sprain is also an extra two weeks for Hurts' shoulders. 
know, I just thought about this and I, I don't know how I would answer it in terms of a tougher test. So, so 31st in DVOA against number one wide receivers. That's a terrible statistic, especially considering the Eagles have two number one wide receivers, but guess who else did the Bengals? How many teams have a better lineup than Jamar Chase and T Higgins? And then I got to thinking, well, geez, would I rather have T Higgins and Jamar Chase? Or would I rather have AJ Brown and Devontae Smith? And I don't think I can adequately answer that question. Uh, gosh, they're just, they're just uh, both in really good spots. I don't know who is a tougher cover putting all four of those guys together. Yeah. And I think I have seen it mentioned that they managed to at least slow down Higgins and chase. Right. Um, but my answer to that question would be this is one, they, they converted some big plays to chase, like on that fourth down conversion. Mm-hmm. They got like 30 yards on that. And it was double like covered. That. Yeah. Um, and you have to remember that that was with Burrow playing behind an offensive line, those missing two starters right? right? against uh, versus a top flight Eagles offensive line where, again, if, if you give Hertz three to four seconds for Brown yeah. and Smith to run their routes, uh, I mean, good luck. Right. Yeah. It's, I, it's so man, I'm just so, so excited for this game because I think this could be the best game we've seen since probably that Eagles Patriots Super Bowl. That was just absolute fireworks from start to finish. Yeah, the, this is shaping up pretty nicely. The, the Eagles, in credit to you, Mung, preseason calling the Eagles as, as such a strong NFC team, uh, it, it really came to fruition. Yeah, Eagles and Niners were my two uh, futures yep. bets. Yeah, I had, I had the Niners. Oh, man, I was close, but uh, Josh Johnson couldn't. Now, once we hit the playoffs, you, you know I was staunchly in the Eagles corner, but uh, Josh Johnson couldn't quite cross the finish line. Yeah, I was I was out watching that game, and it, as soon as they showed Purdy, you know, stretching his arm on the sideline, I cashed yeah. out my futures bets. As yeah. soon as I saw that shot, I was like, nope, that's it. And you um, know not to, not to minimize the injury from his standpoint and from his family standpoint, his future standpoint. But I think the very worst, worst part about worst part about worst part about that, that uh, Purdy injury is now I can't go try and get Trey Lance on the cheap anywhere. Yeah. I, you know, um, <laughs> we can talk dynasty for a little bit because I actually was saying to, uh, my friends who I was out watching the game with is, I think it would have been better for Trey Lance's value had, you know, the Eagles defense really gotten to a healthy party because I think either way that's that passing offense would have struggled. Right. Um, And I think the the Eagles would have won even with a healthy party, but certainly it would have been a much closer game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we saw, we saw at least Josh Johnson, you know, get a touchdown drive in there with McCaffrey punching it in. I think it would have been a, a back and forth game at the very least. Oh, definitely. Um, but speaking of, you know, while we just mentioned McCaffrey, let's talk about the rushing matchup a little bit too, because yeah. it certainly will not be all on Jalen Hurts. No um, way. The Eagles offensive line ranks second in run block win rate. Jordan Mylota ranks second among tackles in run blocking. Dickerson ranks first among guards. And Jason Kelsey, even at his advanced age, ranks third among centers in run blocking. These are absolute ballers up front and Guess who ranks dead last in the league and run stop win rate this year? Ooh, uh, the Bears. <laughs> Probably not too far off, uh, <laughs> but it was actually the Chiefs. Uh, as good as their front seven has been at rushing the passer, uh, they've really struggled to stop the run, which normally isn't a huge issue, right? Because if you're if you're down against Mahomes, you can't really be affording to run the ball a whole lot. Right. But if the Eagles can build a lead and they can just continue to run, well, that could be a potential issue here. And that actually leads me into the impact player to watch for me on the Eagles side, which is Miles Sanders. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, this year we've seen Miles Sanders eclipse 20 carries in three games. The first was against Jacksonville in week four in the rain really hard to throw and grip the ball mm-hmm. uh, we saw it again in week 12 against the Packers where you know they really exploited that matchup with the Packers ranking 31st in run stop win rate so just one spot ahead of Chiefs uh, and then we saw it week 16 at Dallas uh, and part of that was to hide Gardner Minshew 
uh, with all of his turnovers in that game, but also, you know, exploiting again, the, the difference in matchup where Dallas ranked second in pass rush win rate, but just 24th in run stop win rate. So we've seen that Mick Sirianni and the Eagles are willing to adjust their offense based on their opponent, not unlike how Bill Belichick has done for years and years. Great run blocking, open holes against the defense, bright lights, Super Bowl, and guess whose contract year it is right now? Yeah, no, no better, no better way to uh, demand mm-hmm. you know fifteen mil a year than getting two, three touchdowns in a Super Bowl. Exactly. Yep, hundred and twenty yards, two touchdowns. He is going to be playing balls to the wall. If he's not, then he does not realize what he has at stake at five thirty p.m. on Sunday. Yeah. And, you know, we mentioned how I think we could see, you know, 10 plus carries for Isaiah Pacheco on the other side here. I think we could see a really heavy dose of Miles Sanders in this game. We've seen that over the last few games, Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott have been more involved, but I do think part of that was conserving Sanders for a potential Super Bowl, which is where we are. And the other thing is they blew out the Giants and the Niners. So, you know, by the second half, they were really, you know, letting their their foot off the gas pedal a little bit. So I think if this is a close game, or even if they play with, you know, a score or two-score lead, they're going to run Sanders into the ground because they have nothing left to lose here with him. Um, And if they can find a package that they want to exploit from the Chiefs defense and they can't stop the run, I mean, we could see the burden placed on Sanders' shoulders to alleviate Hertz's, you know, throwing potentially if if that shoulder still isn't one hundred percent. And oh. I think if the Eagles win their second Super Bowl on Sunday, Miles Sanders will have over a hundred rushing yards and at least one touchdown, if not more. And just FYI, you can get right now any player to get a hundred plus rushing yards at plus three hundred on Kings. Wow. There you go. So if you like the Eagles to win this game, I, I think yeah. that's a good bet. Yeah, it certainly sounds like it. Is it pretty well uh, expected in the community that he does not come back with the Eagles next year? Honestly, I'm not sure because it depends on what kind of money he's looking for, right? Um, well, I, I mean, if he puts up the kind of game you're talking about, I think they are exactly right that he's going to be looking for uh, – you know, a 15, 15 million type of sale, type of number. But I don't know if he'll get that, mostly because of the strength of this free agent class. I mean, you've got Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs. Those yeah. two are going to command, you know, the yeah. big contracts. Um, and then you've got other, you know, you've got Tony Pollard mixed in there. So there's yeah. a lot of competition and not that many starting spots, right? So depending yeah. on what Sanders is asking, and if again, if they win a Super Bowl and their goal is to run it back next year, he might be willing to take a little bit of a pay cut to stay with the Eagles. We could have some Deshaun Watson esque like contract breaking numbers going on here. Like between Saquon Barkley, who sure he's been injured a number of times, but I don't think anybody really thinks he isn't a complete and utter superstar. He's an amazing football player, one of the best in recent memory. And then Josh Jacobs goes and leads the league in rushing in his contract season. I, I, this is this is going to be a nuts off season. Yeah, and not only that, we saw that John Gruden should have been using him as a receiver. For yeah, well, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, we we all knew that, right? I, they used him in college, but no, not not yeah. the NFL. So certainly uh, <laughs> a, a lot to unpack from the running back free agency class. We'll we'll talk yep. a little bit dynasty in the off season. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, no, you're no, you're totally good. I think this is just a fun show where the Super Bowl is where so many storylines intersect. Right? That's why yeah. it's such an exciting game. It is uh, for pretty much everybody. Even if you're just a casual football fan, I mean, this is as exciting as it gets. Even if you're just there for the return of Riri. Yeah. And uh, uh, Pepsi, right? Or Coke. Who's the uh, sponsor? I heard they couldn't get Taylor Swift because uh, she had the competing. Uh, I think no, she's. No, that's baloney. <laughs> that, that's, that's some pro Tay Tay propaganda out there. They wanted Rihanna last year and she said uh, no. They okay. asked her again They said, and she said, this would be the only time I do it. I'm coming in. She came, she's coming back with Avengers to take over the world. We've got, we've got Wakanda forever. We've got the Super Bowl. And I think it's RC Cola is the answer to your question. Uh, well. I personally would love to see uh, Taylor Swift at halftime, but certainly I understand Rihanna is very talented. 
What's she going to go out and sing and sing like love story for for uh for the super bowl crowd like come well, on man. i mean we're getting derailed here now but i think if taylor swift were to perform at the super bowl she'd have, definitely have to go with some of her older more pop yeah you know, like hits, 22 the, she'd go uh, yeah. out there and sing 22 for for both teams yeah imagine imagine the conspiracy theories if uh you know the one team was up 22 to nothing at halftime oh or something. Oh my God. Well, I heard, so I didn't go digging into this, but was there something where like the final Super Bowl score has already been leaked or something? Did you see that? Oh, yes. Somebody had like the uh, the play by play, you know, that like ESPN Game Center has. Uh-huh. Uh, but I mean, you could, you could put that in Photoshop and just, you know, oh, scroll yeah. through it. It's not, yeah. it's not difficult to recreate something like that. So I'm not yeah. too worried about it. Um, I, I would not necessarily go off that script. I saw people were like, let's do some same game parlays on, on the touchdowns that they saw. Uh, I mean, Hey, throw five bucks on it for all I care, but uh, I would not put a lot of money on it. It's your funeral. Not mine. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we cover both of these teams fairly in depth here, but I do think we should touch on some intangibles as well. Um, beyond, you know, just the stats and the matchups here. I, I do think that health and experience are big factors in this game, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we've already mentioned on the injury front that Philly has been much more fortunate with injuries or lack thereof. Um, they are projected to have all 22 of their starters heading into the season active for this game. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean they'll all be 100%, but, you know, clearly the edge on health here, even though a couple of their O-linemen are going to be playing through injuries here, and on the Kansas City side, we talked about how Jerry Sneed is expected back, but Nicole Hardman, doubtful, is a huge blow. Um, and Juju and Tony are both questionable. And, you know, it's possible even if both of these guys are active that neither is going to be 100%. And if that's the case, the Chiefs could be forced to rely, again, more on their tight ends or their rookie, Sky Moore. And, you know, that kind of leads to the other intangible experience, right? Because if you do have to throw some rookies like Pacheco and Sky Moore, uh, have more heavily involved in this game, you know, are, are the bright lights going to get to them at some point? Hopefully not. That would make for a very, uh, very dull showing, but uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, and that's one of the big positives that I put in the Kansas City Chiefs corner. I know the, the wide receivers are inexperienced, but Pat Mahomes has been there. He's been there multiple times. He's the, he's an, he's the ultimate competitor. And uh, that existing playoff experience he has, I think matters uh, in spades. And, that Hertz just doesn't have yet. Yeah, and you know, and I think it doesn't necessarily make it a game changer because um, you know we've seen Tom Brady with Super Bowls, right? To so the Giants, yeah. and it's it's all more matchup dependent than um, necessarily just having the experience. But it certainly helps. I mean, there was a report earlier this week about how the chiefs had set up um, their meeting rooms and their Phoenix hotel to look exactly like their meeting rooms in their Kansas city facility <laughs> to give, uh, you know, some sense of normalcy to this yeah. week for their players. Right. And I, I think that does show there is such a thing as Super Bowl jitters. They're doing oh, all this media time. stuff all week long. Um, they're in a different city. I just, I just don't know that we can give a definitive edge to either team because of that. Um, but looking at their 2019 Super Bowl winning roster, the Chiefs still have some key players on offense and defense, Mahomes, Kelsey, Chris Jones, and Frank Clark. Um, and from the Eagles 2018 Super Bowl winning roster, they still have Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, Isaac Sumalo, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, and Jake Elliott. So they do have experience on both teams here from a Super Bowl roster. They've been there before. They can kind of help, uh, you know, the new guys and what to expect. Uh, maybe some tips on, you know, going from hotel to media stuff to whatever. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, you know, even though it's Mahomes' third Super Bowl here, having won against the Niners and losing to Tampa, I don't know that this is like a huge, huge deal. Just something to monitor. I think that is actually. I, I disagree with you there. Uh, I, I think this thing hurts his first Super Bowl. I, I think. I'm not saying he's, I'm not saying he's not the competitor that he's not the football mind that Pat Mahomes is, but 
I also am sort of saying that and your first time <laughs> in the Super Bowl is, is a big, major, major deal. I, I, th- I don't think we're going to get down to predictions, I'm sure. And I think you can tell throughout the podcast where I'm leaning here. So I, I, I won't give it away, but you know. Yeah, well, it's interesting to say that because I, I was looking back and it is going to be Hertz's first Super Bowl, but he's been in big moments before. I mean, he led Alabama to the national title game back in 2017. Obviously, that's not as big as the Super Bowl, but that's, you know, on, on some scale, that's kind of a similar amount of media attention and, and all that. Right. Yeah. And obviously, you know, the, that game did not go well for them. Um, and then the following year he got benched at halftime uh, for Tua, but he's, he hasn't done well in those spots, but I don't know that that matters. I think it helps more so than hurts that he's at least been in these moments and sure. I think he's matured from those experiences, uh, both mentally, and he's definitely matured as a passer since then. So maybe he gets off to you know a slower start passing if he's overthinking a little bit too much. Um, but but you know, at the end of the day, I think slight advantage to the Chiefs in terms of experience, and slight advantage to the Eagles in terms of health, and and that's kind of a wash at this point. Yeah, I, I also think that um, Andy Reid's a much better coach than Nick Sirianni, but. That's that's up open for debate as well. I think he's a better offensive mind and better at scheming offense. But I will say, uh, and you know, people have been talking about this for years that Andy Reid uh, isn't the greatest at game management. Oh yeah, he'll, uh, he'll waste timeouts like something else. Right, clock yeah. management, <laughs> using timeouts. And also, you know, when to go for it on fourth downs. And that's an area where the Eagles have really leaned into analytics, right? Oh, sure. They're very aggressive in certain spots, depending on field position, depending on, you know, time remaining and, and the score and all that. So I do think that the Chiefs have an edge in terms of scheming offense in terms of coaching. Sure. But I think maybe in-game management, maybe the Eagles have the edge there. Could be. That could well, that could well be. Hey, we're gonna find out in in, uh, in a couple of days. Yeah, it's just there. I mean, there's so many layers to this game, right? And, there really and that's are. That's why I think this is such a good one because, I mean, last year it, it was a good game. It was a fun game to watch. But I think heading in, you know, it was just like, oh man, what's Burrow gonna do behind this offensive line? And it's not like like a right. slugfest between two Titans, almost, right? Right. Yeah, last year, I think everybody pretty much had the Rams picked and pretty well favored for good reason. I mean, their offense was amazing. Their defense was nigh unstoppable. Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald. I mean, boy, they really fell off a cliff this year. Well, yeah, and I'm not sure that last year's Super Bowl would have even been that close at the end had Odell Beckham not gotten it. Right, right. Um, Because their passing offense really kind of just petered off after that happened. Yeah. So we've we've talked about just about everything here: uh, offense, defense, intangible stuff. And I mean, it goes without saying that we both agree this is going to be a fun and interesting game. Um, But I am curious to hear what you think is going to happen. So let's let's go into our Super Bowl Fifty Seven predictions here. And Los, give me the general thoughts, you know, summing up how you feel about this game. And then give me a final score prediction with the winner. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, well, on paper and in the podcast, which you, you've really done a great job digging these numbers and everything. On paper, I do think the Eagles look like the stronger team. But like I alluded to earlier, I think a little bit of those numbers are hidden in that Eagles uh, competition that they've gone against this year. The, the, the NFC is not as good as the AFC. The, uh, the Chiefs had to fight against staunch competition within their own division. Obviously not the Broncos quite so much this year like we thought they were going to be. But uh, nevertheless, they had to beat better teams than the Eagles did to get here. They have uh, they have more experience with Mahomes and Andy Reid, and I, I think I said I think that they're uh, a better coaching quarter- quarterback combination than the other two. I do think it'll come down to that. Um, it's going to be a closer game 
I, well, actually, Vegas and the line thinks it's going to be a very close game. I think it's only a point and a half spread right now in the Eagles' favor. So, uh, long and short of it is, on paper, I think the Eagles are looking stronger, but uh, the intangibles are going to push push uh, the Chiefs ahead with a final score in the range of uh, like a 37-35. Okay. Yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of where I, I figured you were leaning based on our conversation throughout this yep. podcast. And it's interesting because, I mean, the X factor, the, I mean, there's a lot of different potential X factors. We talked about Tony and Sanders. But really yep. the X factor in general in the NFL is Patrick Mahomes. Right. right. He is someone that you could plan for, uh, that you can, you know, try to stop. But at the end of the day, uh, it's, it's kind of like Thanos, right? Almost, mm-hmm. where, you know, you know he's coming, you know what he's capable of, but right. everything's different once you get punched in the mouth. Right. Um, and for years, my entire sports betting strategy was built upon the foundation of rule number one, which was never bet against Brady. And in some ways, in many ways, Mahomes has encapsulated, you know, that very principle, right? I right. mean, um, I couldn't tell you offhand his numbers against the spread and straight up, but obviously they're very good, right? I, I would guess right. probably about around 80, 85% even maybe. Um, but to me, I brought up the whole Brady thing, the never bet against Brady um, how you don't want to bet against Mahomes now, but to me, this Super Bowl matchup incidentally feels a lot like Super Bowl Fifty Two back in twenty eighteen, which I I brought up briefly way back at the beginning of this podcast, which also featured the Eagles, mm-hmm. and that Super Bowl, you know, also consisted of a Philadelphia roster that had elite players and depth on both offense and defense. Facing an elite quarterback in Brady, who was kind of yeah. devoid of playmakers, right? He had Gronk, but I think, you know, Danny Amendola, Brandon Cooks, those aren't necessarily, you know, certainly not the same as when he had Randy Moss, right? Kind of right. like how you go from Tyreek Hill to, hey, you got some playmakers and Kadarius Tony and MVS steps up here and there, but right. they're, not, they're not the guys who are winning these games per se. And again, like Brady, I think Mahomes is so good that he can overcome that. Um, but you know, in that 2018 Super Bowl, Brady won the regular season MVP in 2017, much like Mahomes is the favorite to win this year. Um, he led the league in passing yards that year, same as Mahomes, and he was third in passing touchdowns. And Mahomes was, I mean, he was up there. I don't remember if he led the league exactly, but either way, I mean, Brady managed to play a nearly perfect game in that Super Bowl against an Eagles defense. Uh, That was top 10, top five. Um, He didn't take any sacks until that sack fumble late in the fourth quarter that ended up losing the game for the Patriots. And on defense, you know, New England was pretty good at stopping opponents from scoring top 10 in that regard. Um, But again, their defense, uh, you know, was bottom, bottom 10 below average in adjusted net yards per attempt. And, we saw in that game that, you know, Brady passed for, what was it, like over 500 yards, three, four mm-hmm. touchdowns, something like that. Um, and he was nearly perfect until the fourth quarter when the Eagles pass rush finally got to him. Um, and then their defense just wasn't able to stop the Eagles on offense from scoring on six of their eight drives. And to me, I, I referenced this game as I was doing all this research. I kept thinking back to that game because like Brady, I think Mahomes is playing at a elite level and he can overcome this Eagles defense, but he would need to be perfect, which is a tall order uh, for even the most accomplished and talented of quarterbacks. So, you know, just depending on the health of Juju and Tony, and even with, you know, if we're assuming a superhuman performance from Kelsey, like 10 catches for 150 yards, two touchdowns, something like that, I just don't know if it's going to be enough to outscore Hertz, Brown, and Smith on the other side here, especially if they're trailing in the fourth quarter and Sanders just converting on those third and fives with a run up the gut, um, you know, on fourth and one, even with the one score lead, the Eagles push and go for it with that QB sneak that's so hard to defend. And 
it's tough to ever bet against Mahomes, much like Brady for the longest time. But at the end of the day, football remains a team game. And to me, Philadelphia's roster is just better and deeper at every position outside of quarterback and tight end here. So I have it Philly 41, Kansas City 34 in a very high scoring game. Well said, Mung. Well said. Uh, you made astute points. You made a very well thought out argument. And I will award you five points. <laughs> and like I said, maybe none of that matters because Mahomes is just superhuman, right? right. It wouldn't right. shock me in the least. And that's that's what my pick falls onto, right? Like he's got he's got a high ankle sprain. He's he doesn't have as good of an O line. We know how to get after him is with a good pass rush. He's facing a phenomenal pass rush, but. Uh, at the end of the day, I'm still picking him. Yeah, maybe maybe we're gonna need uh, maybe Jalen Hurts assembles AJ Brown and Devontae Smith to get a time machine five years from now uh, to They're come so back good. and replay this game. Right? <laughs> They're so maybe. good. It's amazing. Like, how do how do you put together an offense? Like, I guess you trade away your first round picks. That's how you do it. Yeah, but they still have so many picks next year. I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's Harry Roseman deserves you know yeah. of the year. I think definitely, um, definitely. But, I mean, either way, the, the long and short of this episode has been we are pumped for Sunday. Yeah. Um, actually, Los, I, I didn't ask you yet. Uh, are, are you guys doing anything for the game? I am going to uh, make some chicken wings and uh, watch some football. Yeah, I, I'm actually going to watch this at uh, Super Producer Dan's new place. Oh, nice. Nice. Um, beautiful. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll Facetime you. Yeah, uh, during halftime, something yeah. like that. I'll, um, I'll eat a chicken for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. For you. I'll eat a chicken. <laughs> hey, I mean, I would have no issues just plopping down with the rotisserie chicken on the table yeah. at this. You know, hey, no, I mean right. that's good too. That'll be gone by by the end of the first drive, though. I mean. Let's be honest. No question. No question about it. No question about <laughs> but, it. Uh, either way, it sounds like the one thing we both certainly agree on is the over in this game, which I think yeah. uh, opened at 48 and a half, very briefly, 49 and a half for a while, now up to 50 and a half. Um, <laughs> and I think it, it could still go over because, like I said, I, I just think this is the this is a premier you know, heavyweight bout where it's just going to be back and forth. We're calling like 70 points, aren't we? Yeah, and I, I think it's 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 nuts because Vegas is so good at what they do, right? They just know right. so many yeah. times these games land within a point or half a point of what they set. But at the same time, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, you, you can't bet scared, right? You you got to go with what what your analytics and what your guts say. And, and to me, I think this is a shootout. Yep, that's the name of the game. All right, that is going to pretty much do it for our special edition Super Bowl preview show. Um, if you guys enjoyed it, you know, drop a comment, let us know. Uh, always, you know, we appreciate your feedback. And yeah. if you guys want to talk just football in general, if you want to talk about the Super Bowl, if you want to talk about fantasy, which is what we're here for first and foremost, you can find us on Twitter. I am at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. And you can find me at FFA underscore Los, that's L-O-S. As always, you can, of course, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Anchor. Please remember to like and subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes and our special off-season episodes. Um, if, you're not, if you're not working in the off-season, then, uh, then you're losing ground in your dynasty leagues and in your redraft leagues, frankly. Yeah, and uh, it's a Super Bowl world. We're all just addicts in it. Enjoy the Super Bowl, addicts.